Our call to worship comes from Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is great God and a great king above all gods. Let us worship God. Jesus Christ, our Savior, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was, with God was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let us return to God's ways with all our heart, confess our sins, 
and receive his tender mercy, forgiveness, and healing so that we can begin anew. Let us pray. Almighty God, you love us, but we have not loved you. You call, but we have not listened. We walk away from neighbors in need, wrapped in our own concerns. We condone evil, prejudice, warfare, and greed. God of grace, help us to admit our sin so that as you come to us in mercy, we may repent, turn to you, and receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. The mercy and love of God is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And now what does the Lord require of us? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now let us boldly state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors.
Good morning. Good morning. On this lovely snowy day in Sarasota. <laughs> I'm so glad lots of winter birds are back. And we promise we'll love you while you're here. And welcome to Church of the Palms for worship here in the sanctuary, as well as those of you worshiping with us on TV. It's a good day to worship God. If you don't mind, please uh, find those friendship pads at the ends of pews and sign in and pass it along. And thank you very much, SYV, for leading us in worship today. We have several announcements. The Sound of Freedom concert will be happening right here in the sanctuary at 4 o'clock. It costs $15. If you haven't bought the tickets, just come and we'll take your money. <laughs> and it is going to be fantastic. Our own choir and Pine Shore Presbyterian Church choirs will sing together. Dr. McConnell's book signing is at our early childhood education annual book fair. It will be in room 205 on um, November 18th, a Wednesday, from 4 to 5. The book fair itself is from 4 to 7. On that very same evening at 6.30 in this sanctuary, Hunter Farrell, uh, the um, uh, head of our world mission for the whole denomination, will be speaking. So all of us are invited. If you want to know more about that, and you have an insert here, please don't, re don't recycle this. Please take it home. And also, Angel Tree is up, and um, I know because it's been parked in my office. It is now outside, the tr uh, outside there under our big old fellowship tree. We have some um, angels that are children and some senior citizens. Please come by and pick out your angel for Christmas. And we also work with others. We don't work alone. We work with Salvation Army in Red Kettle Campaign, and the, the Red Kettle bell ringing is signed up is also under the tree, and please come by and sign up, and the bell ringing will be at the Publix at Beniva and um, Be Rich. So, Presbyterian women, the best I left for the last. <laughs> On Friday, there is going to be a big event of Presbyterian women beginning at 10.30 a.m. in the campus center over there. It is going, there will be jewelry and music and art and food and all kinds of good stuff. And I think you kind of have to be a woman to be invited. So, are there any other announcements or joys or concerns? If not, we have our Minute for Mission from Stephen Ministry, Faye Mercer and Pat Kim. Good morning, my name is Faye Mercer. And I am Pat Kent. Faye and I serve as part of our Stephen Ministry team, and what we're about to share will apply to many of you, whether worshiping in this sanctuary or worshiping from home. Are you a caregiver? Perhaps you have a spouse who is ill, or aging parents who need more and more of your attention. Perhaps you gave birth to a child with developmental problems. Perhaps your 17-year-old began psychiatric treatments 
and now 20 years later is unemployed and still living at home. What happens to your soul in the middle of this? Perhaps, perhaps you find yourself raising your grandchildren, or perhaps you felt the call of taking in foster children and the burden is becoming too heavy. What is happening to your soul in the middle of this? Does discouragement take over? Do you lose heart, the core of human energy? The impact of chronic illness is a one-two punch. It affects both patient and caregiver. The physical impact of providing care can lead to patient abuse, self-abuse and neglect, and the overarching effect of living in a continual overwhelming, overwhelmed state. 25% of women caregivers have health problems as a result of caregiving activities. Two out of three older women do not seek preventive health services due to lack of information and high out-of-pocket costs. And the statistic that really got my attention, 40% of caregivers die before the person they are caring for. What can we do? Where can we turn? I'm sure we all carry caregiving uh, memories in our hearts and stories that we can share. To whom or to what resources did you turn? You're invited to take some time out on Saturday, January 23rd to do some soul searching, to be guided into nurturing your soul, to discover ways to reorient your spirit, your soul. Through the internationally renowned speaker and writer, Marjorie Thompson. The subject for January's event will be the soul of caregivers, nurturing and reorienting our lives. Marjorie Thompson is an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church USA. Her educational path includes Swarthmore College, McCormick Theological Seminary, and a research fellowship at Yale Divinity School, where she studied Christian spirituality under Henry Nouwen. She served as director of the Pathway Center for Spiritual Leadership, has been the spiritual director and co-author to the Companions in Christ series, a small group resource for spiritual formation. And she's the author of Soul Feast and the Gift of Encouragement. Community resource representatives will also be available throughout the day, providing some guidance and information of the very various resources available to you here in this community. To register, simply go online to the church website and click on Marjorie Thompson event, or return the registration form that's included in this pamphlet. Either give it to the church office or mail it in. And these pamphlets will be mailed out to each member of the congregation in a couple of weeks. Please feel free to contact Reverend Mingy, myself, or any Stephen minister if you have any further questions. Thank you.
Let us pray. Gracious God, may your eternal light shine upon us. As we have heard this morning, we gather not only to praise you, not only to lift up our hearts before you, but we come with many needs. We come as caregivers who are weary from the burden of taking care of those we love. We come as people who are weak and wounded in need of your healing touch. And so as we gather this day, send your Holy Spirit that we may know of your presence, that we may sense your movement in our lives, that we may be encouraged and strengthened for the week ahead. We pray for our preacher, Pastor Mingy, that you would give her your words, that when she speaks, we might hear your truth, And in hearing your truth, we might be touched and transformed. Lord, we pray that through this congregation, your peace and love and grace would go out beyond the bounds of our campus into the community and in places where there is spiritual and physical need all around the world. Lord, we continue to pray for our leaders, those who have the heavy weight of decision-making, we continue to pray for those who serve protecting freedoms all around the globe. On this Veterans Day weekend, we give you thanks for those who have served bravely and freely. Oh God, we believe that you are present in every facet of our lives, and so when we leave here today, may we leave with eyes opened to see how you are at work, and may we be faithful and obedient to follow where you lead. We lift up all these prayers in the name of Jesus, the one who taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we continue our worship, I invite the ushers to come forward as we receive our morning tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. Oh God, you are good and you pour out your blessing upon each one of us. We are grateful. We are humbled. And so we present these tithes and offerings as a sign of our gratitude, as an indication of our love for you, of our desire to be obedient, to follow where you lead. So take these gifts, we pray, and turn them into ministries that bless others in this church, in our community, and in places we may never visit. Bless in the name of Jesus. For it is in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we ask these prayers with grateful hearts. Amen. You may be seated, and the children will come forward for a time with Miss Lori and her very interesting cart. She's got props. So, got to bring some props in. Go ahead and have a seat. You'll notice that my props, you guys want to scoot over this way more so you can see? Come scoot towards the center. Come right over here. It might help a little bit. My props all, you can see, are boxes. You guys, if you want, you can even sit right up here. You can sit right behind so you can see a little bit better. So you can see how there's three different sizes of boxes, but I'm going to get to those at the end because all three of those relate to our Bible story today, which is found in the Old Testament, like in 1 Kings, there are all of these people who are worshiping a fake god called Baal. But there's so many people doing that, and there is one prophet left that worships our God, our one true God, Ezekiel, and he says, hey guys, let's have a contest because I want to prove to you who the one true God is, and whoever wins the contest, that's who we'll worship. And they're like, yeah, we'll do that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a, f uh, put wood in the fire pit, put some stake on the wood, and if your gods, Baal, if they can light the fire, we'll worship Baal. So 450 prophets for Baal are praying to Baal, saying, light the wood, Baal, light the wood. And Ezekiel goes, hey guys, maybe you should shout a little louder. Come on, light the wood, light the wood. Nothing happens. All the way through lunchtime, coming up on dinner, it's just wood and a raw piece of steak sitting on the fire pit. And finally, Ezekiel says, hey guys, move over. It's time for me to show you who the one true God is. So, but before I, before I call on our God, here's what I want you to do. Get two buckets of water and pour it on the wood. Whoa, wait. Do that three more times. What happens when you put water on wood? What happens? What do you think? What happens? Pretty much impossible to light on fire. There was even a trough of water around this fire pit. So Ezekiel goes, Lord, now's your time. Show them who the one true God is. And fire all over the place. It burned the stake. It burned the wood. It even burned the water around. And we're like, now we know who the one true God is. That's the God that we're going to worship. That's where my boxes come in. Three different ways that these boxes help us worship God. This first box, did any of you guys get these last week? If you're in first through fifth grade, you would have gotten your offering boxes. Inside of that is an envelope that you bring each and every week. And when you do that, you give God 
you worship God with your treasure. And then, inside of this next box, ooh, I know, right? A bag of rice. On November 18th, if you come to the Campus Center right at 6.30, you're going to be in, in, in another contest to make meals for people in other countries. We are going to try to assemble 10,000 meals. We are going to worship God with our time. And by the way, anyone can participate in that and stop hunger now if you're four years old all the way up to 94. It's something for everyone to do. Worship God with your treasure. Worship God with your time. And let's see what's in this last box. Oh! Oh! oh. My friend Anna, how'd you get in there? So the homeless sleepover is coming up where fourth and fifth graders are going to sleep in a cardboard box. But you know what else they're going to do? They're going to use their talent to make cards and to shop for the angel tree angels, kids that aren't going to have a Christmas. It's another way to worship God. So remember, worship the one true God. Worship with your treasure, worship with your time, and worship with your talents. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for being our one and only God. Help us, Lord, to worship you and only you with our treasure, with our time, and with our talents. Amen.
Please be seated. Our scripture reading for today, as you have heard Lori teaching to the children, comes from 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read only chapter 18, verses 26 through 29, and then again 36 through 39. And it is about uh, Baal representing um, the the 450 prophets representing Baal, a pagan god, and Elijah, the prophet. <clears throat> now let us hear the scripture. So they took the bull that was given them, prepared it, and called on the, same, on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no answer. They limped about the altar and they, the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry out, surely he is a god. Either he is meditating or he has wandered away, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Then they cried aloud, and as was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no answer, no response. Elijah um, floods his altar with water, then calls to God. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God and our Redeemer. Amen. Lately, my husband Will and I have been watching a show called Madam Secretary on Netflix. It is about a former CIA analyst and college professor who becomes Secretary of State. Will watches all of the shows, I watch some, and some of the time the show watches me. <laughs> anyway, in one episode, the secretary's CIA past leads to a fight with her oldest daughter. Her daughter walks out of the door and the secretary says to her daughter, if you hear nothing else I ever say, hear this. Everything is more complicated than you think it is right now. Life is complicated. Oldest children are commonly misunderstood as bossy people who get to tell others what to do and boss around younger siblings. Trust me, that's not true. I am the oldest of six children and I know. We carry the burden of the world instead of being spoiled like the youngest children. 
If you still don't trust me, ask the deacons and Stephen ministers. It is commonly understood in most cultures that a girl's 16th birthday is known as Sweet 16. And it is a time for a big party and celebration. My party was all planned and it was going to be a lot of fun. However, one of my twin baby brothers had leukemia. Before my birthday, Richard died. My mother was so sad and lost her mind for almost a year following that day. My father asked me to choose whether we should send mother to an institution or keep her at home with a caregiver. Part of that choice was that I would become the manager of the household while my father continued to earn our living. Of course, I choose to keep my mother at home. I had to supervise the help, including my mother's full-time caregiver, and make sure my siblings did their homework and go to school on time, besides my own schedule of going to school. Along with my father, I comforted my younger siblings about Richard and tried to help them understand why mother was the way she was. Life became very complicated for me. Being 16 was lost in the midst of the family chaos and crisis. And being sweet, well, I am still looking for that. Never told an oldest child that life is simple. Of course, my husband will insist that there is one more thing more complicated than that, which is living with the oldest child. <laughs> and so, mind you, he is the middle child, the carefree kind who never listens to anybody unless he already wants to. <laughs> Some years ago, another story and another time and place. I was doing premarital counseling with a couple in their 20s. Sounds simple, I have done so many times. First complication, during the second session, the bride and I discovered that the groom had just found out he was a father of a little boy. Second complication, we found out he was delighted by what his old girlfriend had told him. He was absolutely thrilled to be a father. Third complication, the bride was furious. <laughs> and the fourth complication, the groom was oblivious that he insisted his newly found two and a half years old son be the ring bearer. The groom chose his new status as a father over his soon to be status as a husband. Fifth complication, when it came time for the wedding, I did tell them that they didn't have to get married, but they insisted they were going to. So the day of the wedding came, the little boy was really cute, and there he was, miserable, because he knew no one. He didn't even yet comprehend who the groom was to him. So it took him forever long to get down the aisle to the chancel, as soon as he gave me that little pillow with the rings, he ran off. Six complication. The little boy has now stolen the show. He was very cute. The bride is fuming. The happy groom is smiling, unaware that he has to go home with this bride and face the music. 
life is really complicated in real life. At Church of the Palms, we are following the narrative lectionary about God's preparing the way with God's people. This week's Bible story tells us how God gives direction for us when life is complicated. We read the cleaned up, sanitized, children-friendly parts of the story. What came before and after and around what I read to you is the context of real life and it is complicated. Prophet Elijah is properly paranoid because the king and queen are out to kill him. King Ahab is a wimp who has forgotten that he is a Jew. He is afraid of his wife, Queen Jezebel, and does whatever she demands. Queen Jezebel is a dangerous woman. She has already had almost all the prophets of God killed. She seeks to impose her pagan faith to the people of Israel. Now, going back to the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, God does not leave Elijah alone where he has hidden himself. God sends him to talk with the king and to call the king back to following and worshiping God alone. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, the first commandment God gave through Moses to the people of Israel says, The Lord is your God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Despite his fear, Elijah goes and does what God told him to do. But when king refuses, Elijah sets the place of the contest to be upon Mount Carmel, which is a lawless place full of caves and outlaws. It is not a place a queen would grace with her presence, which is perhaps why the king Ahab agrees. The people of Israel follow along confused and afraid. The 450 prophets of Baal call Baal to send down fire. They get no answer. Elijah calls on God and fire descends, consuming everything. Our Bible story tells us when all the people saw this, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. God and Elijah win. Baal and Baal's prophets lose. This is not a friendly game where everybody shakes hands after the struggle. This is a winner takes all and losers die. Elijah gives one more command. It is not enough that the people say they choose God. They must prove it in action. Elijah offers, orders the people to take the prophets of Baal off the mountain down into the wadi below and kill them. They must show the queen that the people of Israel are God's people and God's alone. The people do as Elijah instructed. In this story, God can be understood as saying, without me, everything is more complicated than you think it is. Like the people then, we have to choose God. Choosing God brings order and direction and sure victory into our complicated lives. What, does, what else does this Bible story mean for us today? 
It means life is an ongoing journey full of joys, events, and complications. But we are not alone. God is with us at all times. In the end, God will prevail and everything will be all right. It means we must be humble and admit that we understand only some small part of what is going on, and so we must look to God for guidance again and again in our daily lives. It means we must admit our need for one another, for individually we are frail in mind and spirit and body, left to ourselves. Our minds are too good at self-deceit. Our spirits are hesitant when we need to be bold. We are arrogant when we need to be humble. Our bodies are mortal. We need each other's strengths and gifts. We need people to teach us. We need people to hold us accountable. We need people to care for us. We need people as a community of faith. We need one another every day. In the Gospel according to John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus said to us, love one another as I have loved you. We need to remember, as Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 tells us, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We worship and serve God who is far beyond our understanding and is never under our command. Yet in the midst of all this complexity and difficulty, we rejoice. As 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 tells us, In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Madam Secretary was right. Life is complicated, at times extremely complicated. It is the very reason that we choose to believe that God alone is God. We can live life calling on forces and powers that cannot save us, or we can choose to join the march of the saints before us and follow the one who alone is God. For God is the Holy One who seeks a living relationship of love with us. Our God is always moving towards us with love, grace, forgiveness, healing, and salvation. As we prepare the way of following God, we must respond to Elijah's challenge and Joshua's call, choose this day whom you will serve. Choosing to take the first commandment as our own, we say, the Lord is our God, the Lord is alone, the Lord alone. We shall love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our might. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Now go in peace, choosing to love and follow the one God that is ours. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you, now and always. Amen. <laughs>